It's Sunday, January 10th, 2016, and you're listening to episode 30 of Roll Up and Die. Yes, but of course, that's just the sort of blinkered, philistine, pig ignorance I've come to expect from you. Non-creative garbage, you sit there on your loathsome spotty behind, squeezing blackheads, not caring a tinker's cuss about the struggling artist. You excrement! You lousy, hypocritical, whining toadies with your lousy colour TV sets and your Tony Jacklin golf clubs and your bleeding Masonic handshakes. You wouldn't let me join with you, you black, boring bastards. Anyway, that yeah, I'm going to free game. What's up? I said nothing wrong with a free game. No, nothing <clears> wrong <throat> with it. Unless it's got a virus. Oh, yeah. I, I would imagine through Steam, you're pre- probably pretty safe. <laughs> but, zombie yeah, virus. I think so. <laughs> I got myself with that one. I see what you one. did there. You did. <laughs> you still got it, Matt. You still got it. <laughs> the time off did not temper your sense of humor. <laughs> Neither did it your, your accents. No, not that either. <laughs> not at all. Um... <laughs> So we want to shoot for like a ninety-minute episode here, yeah. Um, and we actually just had a little some technical difficulties a little earlier, so uh, we've already eaten some of our time with our families. So we're gonna <laughs> just jump right into some questions. This is the Q and A episode, and uh, basically you have gone on Facebook and posted many a question on the Roll Up and Die Facebook page at rollup.com slash Facebook. No. (laughs) At facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Words. Sometimes. I like like how you didn't even get the title of the podcast in there. It was rollup.com. There's only... It's a fruit roll-up and die. (laughs) They get there, they're like, this is the website for fruit roll-ups. What the hell? This isn't what I thought it was going to be at all. This has nothing to do with tabletop RPGs. (laughs) I mean, I like fruit roll-ups, but come on. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. Especially the ones that you punch out the shapes. Yeah, I like making the fruit roll-up pizzas, man. That's my jam. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's just jump into some questions. And it's actually going to be difficult for me to figure out what like to organize it by what has the most likes so i'm going to start with the few with like the big likes and then we're just going to go down the list yeah, so. sounds good um so the first one i see is the 11 likes uh from ben d and uh he asks uh, to kick it off what are some ways you guys have incorporated traps and puzzles into your games mm. i have trouble putting thinking type puzzles in organically in fact, I haven't included any really yet because they always end up feeling contrived. And then he says, see below. And the add-on is, um, uh, I should say, more puzzles than traps. Uh, it's more the thinking games that I have trouble with. Riddles, investigations, mm. things where you'll have several clues dropped over a few sessions. So, um, the Matt, why don't you kick that off? Because we've, se- we've gone through some puzzles or traps. Uh, yeah. In the Provokers game. What do you do uh, to make them not contrived? I mean, pu- uh, puzzles are something that I've always struggled with in gaming, and so I've made kind of a concerned effort to try and get uh, better at them and better at setting them up. And what I've found is the two tips that I like are uh, keep it simple, make it something that is easy enough to solve, but challenging enough where, you know, the player characters or the players rather feel accomplished when they do it and they they feel clever 
And then the second tip I would say is start at the end. Start with what happens when the puzzle is solved and then work mm. backwards from there. And that's actually a, a piece of advice that I got regarding uh, running mystery games when I was uh, running a Call of Cthulhu campaign is start at the end. Start with what yeah. happened and then leave clues to get the players to what happened. Right. So <clears throat> I think with a puzzle, you want to say, okay, what happens when they solve the puzzle? Well, the door opens. And then you say, okay, well, you know, what, what, what would you need to do to open a door? Well, you, you, normally you have to turn a knob <clears throat> or get a key. And then, you, you know, you choose elements from there and kind of work backwards. And you're like, okay, well, maybe the key is actually something else that they find in the dungeon. And it's not obvious that it's a key. And maybe there's, a, a, you know, a scrap of paper somewhere else in the dungeon from another adventurer that says, like, you know... Uh, the the coin is the key or something and it's kind of yeah. like what what the hell does that mean you know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but by the time the pcs get to the door they have a scrap of paper a weird coin and they go oh the coin is the key and they put the, mm-hmm. the coin in the door and the door opens so just think about what result you want and then work backwards from there leaving clues to mm-hmm. get your your player characters to that point nice. yes yeah it's a great way to design them and i, I think my, my big thing is the first thing i try to do is figure out why this why there why there would be a puzzle at all yeah you know uh, what is the purpose of the designer you know are they trying to test people uh test the test the see if they're worthy enough is it a way for those who are in the know to pass by a certain place you know kind of like a secret password if it's a you know a cult temple or something like that is it someone who just wants to torture (laughs) unwitting you know uh tomb robbers and make them suffer more or you know whatever it happens to be that has you know that's I, I like coming up with the reason for us why would there be a puzzle here yeah you know absolutely. in a meta way i say okay i want to put a puzzle here then i go okay well why would there be a puzzle here you know or why you know that or that or a trap for that matter right yeah i like that uh, a lot yeah another thing that that everyone always enjoys without fail in my games is uh our ciphers <clears throat> ciphers are really easy to yes. do they're really easy to execute, but they always take a little bit of time. Like they're not—they're not something that your players are going to get instantly. They have to sit yeah. and work together to figure out the cipher. I've used ciphers in Call of Cthulhu games before, where they don't have the complete cipher, and they have to use context to fill in the blank spaces. Like, well, this word could be this, but it could also be this. And uh, trying to figure that out is always is always really fun. And it's one of those moments where you can kind of sit back as the game master and just watch your players like huddled over a piece of paper with the cipher written on it, and you're just like, ah, oh, I can take a five minute break. This is nice. <laughs> nice. I guess I, I guess you also have to decide if you want it to be a literal thing or. If you want to just do it like a simulation, in other words, are, are they actually solving the, the 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 puzzle at hand, or are they doing something that only simulates? It? Because obviously, right, the players don't necessarily have the skills that the characters do. So, mm-hmm. in other words, okay, let's say you had to pick a really complex lock, but you just didn't want to let it fall on a die roll, you know. So, if you're in a live game, you just set up a Jenga tower and say, okay. You know, you you have to you have to pull the red block out from here. <laughs> you know, yeah. which you you know you have to get to that or something like, or whatever it is. You have to take out so many blocks to do it or whatever. But, you know, obviously the the real puzzle isn't about pulling out blocks. The blocks are to build the tension and to give them something yeah. to do to yeah. to achieve that. I yeah. love stuff like that. I, I one time I was at a toy store that had a bunch of wooden toys and I found like a bunch of like uh, padlocked or no, they were like circular lock wooden puzzle toys oh, that you yeah, had to yeah. turn in mm-hmm. a certain way and yep. i bought like three of them dude and yeah. i haven't i'm just like i'm gonna use these in a game it's gonna be so cool dude yeah and you mentioned matt <clears throat> the ciphers like yeah. okay mm-hmm. so in the same exact exact uh uh way that you did you know creating 
basically this person knew their character knew how to read Elvish, and so I just made like an A B C D E F G all you know yeah, all the letters yeah. and symbols, mm. and they put it together. But he was way far away from it, and it was dark. So I turned out the lights, and I had taped the cipher on the wall at the other end of my house. Oh, nice! I was like, you got to fill it out. <laughs> and these symbols are like, oh my! If you get there's like a dot that you get wrong, and it's a completely different letter. So it right. was fun, and um, and and. And I've done the toys, that little, you know, mm. little metal puzzles that you can get at Barnes and Noble and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And just, you know, okay, you have a 10 intelligence, you have 10 minutes to work on this, you know? Right. And my my advice would be to make your puzzle, direct your puzzle toward the players and not the characters. Yes. Mm. Because that's what makes puzzles fun in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, that is that is one thing about puzzles is is it's it's something for the players to enjoy. That is not necessarily, you know, like you're saying, Alex, you don't want it to fall to a die roll. You know, you yeah. don't want the wizard to go, well, I have 18 intelligence. I'm just going to roll my intelligence and solve the puzzle. It's like, no, this is for this is something that the players have to solve, not the not the characters. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I'd, I'd sort of forgotten that I, I hadn't done it for a long, long time. And uh, when I ran Return to the Tomb of Horrors, it happened to have um, a cipher in it where you, you had a, a an amulet with writing on it. And they had to decipher what it was, and there, there, were, right. there was there, were, there was a clue kind of etched into the surface of the amulet to kind of tell them how to decipher it. And so, um, I, 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 this was an online game, but I was able to share the share the images and all that stuff. And so, they spent you know I forget what it was, maybe twenty minutes going through it. And I thought I thought it would slow things down and drag, but they actually had a really good time doing it. I think so. It, yeah, I was uh, reminded on you know that that. That kind of thing can be fun too, rather than, rather, yeah. than, rather than slow down a game and, and bring it to a, a, you know, a screeching halt. It can actually enhance it. Definitely for sure. Uh, one of the things that I like to do, and this isn't like an easy thing to do, I don't think. So you know, take it, as, you know, as much as you can, Ben. But one of the things <laughs> I like to do is I like to incorporate the lore of the world into puzzles. Yeah. So as someone is like solving a puzzle taking the steps to solve the puzzle they're learning about the world that they're in or they're learning about the town that's you know 30 minutes to the west something like that just because it allows you it's a really cool narrative way or immersive way to tell people what's going on in the world without just giving them a sheet of paper and having them read it or Mm -hmm. You know, without just saying, okay, listen up while I tell you what's going on in the world. No, now you can show them if you can find a cool way to do that. Again, it's not easy, but, you know, it's if you can pull it off, I think it works really well. I enjoy it when I'm a player. Yeah, you did a great job with that, Barker. And I I, I know we've been talking about this for a while, but I just want to briefly just you know pat you on the shoulder you did a great job with that with in the Cerceline game when you had us the the memory globe puzzle you had mm-hmm. these globes that would trigger visions in our head and each vision mm-hmm. was an event on the timeline of the world and we had to figure out what order those events happened uh you know in regards to the history of your world and that was really cool because it's like oh we're learning something we're seeing stuff that we normally wouldn't be able to see information that we wouldn't necessarily be privy to and it's a cool puzzle that we actually have to think about so that was a a good use of the lore of the world being integrated into the puzzle dude that is i use that puzzle in every game every (laughs) game i run and it's getting to the point where i'm no longer ever going to be able to use it again because everybody I run games for, they're like, oh, I've seen that. That's but, the thing about good ideas, yeah. man. They're worth using twice. 
Yeah, dude. Four, and, three and, times, you know, four times. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely try to incorporate kind of the lore in your world or, you know, just you take advantage <laughs> of the narrative abilities, possibilities for puzzles. Absolutely. So, uh, Let's go down to the next question, which has eight likes. And I've not read any of these yet, so forgive me for uh, being stupid at reading. Um, woohoo! <laughs> Q and A time. Justin Lee E said, "I gave him the middle name. Like everyone now knows who Dustin Lee Eli is." So, all right, uh, Dustin L E. You have two last names on Facebook. Okay, so I have been running a game for about twenty sessions so far on a single adventure. Bravo! Nice. Uh, we're nearing the end, and the last. Uh, the last few sessions have been feeling like we should have gone through everything quicker to get to this point. When doing long adventures, how do you pace yourself? Should you just let the players pace the game, or would you say there are times you should almost shove the characters forward? Thank you. Um, mm. Alex? I guess it depends on the type of adventure it is. Um, if, the, if there are other powers at work, like... Uh, you know, villains, opponents, whatever, people who are also doing things, then that's going to naturally sort of drive it forward anyway. If you have, you know, fixed deadlines of things happening, the bad guy is going to, re you know, release this deadly disease on this date, whatever it happens to be. You know, that's going to happen unless the the characters intervene. So, I mean, that, that kind of thing can drive the story forward. But as far as forcing, I, I, I'm... I'm, I don't really like to force uh, players. I, I have this um, um, almost an aversion to railroading of any kind uh, to the point where I, I really should do it more, <laughs> but, it, but, it, <laughs> but it really bothers me. So right. I, 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 I probably don't do it enough. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you for sure, but I think there are, you know, there are times where railroading, and railroading is one of those terms like, overrated where it's mm. like it's got a such a negative connotation to it even yeah. though it might be true so but um like in a one-shot game for example like i've got three hours to run this game and i yeah. play in this game let's play this game you know and so i can definitely see there are times where that sort of thing is necessary i think if you're in a 20 game campaign like that's 20 sessions on a single adventure like you're you're in campaign territory after mm. five like that's yeah yeah and so, you know, for me, I think after 20 sessions, you're going to have your world built up so much to the point where, you know, the pl the players themselves have these NPCs and towns and countries memorized. So yeah. at that point, you know, you, I think you have no choice but to let the players pace the game. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess I'm wondering, what what do you guys think he means by... The last few sessions feel like they should have gone through everything quicker to get to this point. I'm not sure I've ever felt I, that. I guess you, it, yeah. I guess it depends. Uh, well, like if I the real the real the real yardstick to me is are the players having fun? Because yeah. if they're yeah. having fun playing an adventure for 20 sessions and it should have you know to say it should have been less doesn't really make any sense because they had fun. You know, if they want to spend an entire session just you know playing in and in then they're having fun let them let them, let them do it you know don't you know you don't want to force them out of there if they're enjoying themselves you know if you guys yeah. don't if you guys don't have a deadline like you were saying barker with a one shot then then let them play if they're if they're having fun have fun mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think i think he's saying that it feels like it's dragging a bit but like mm. you're saying alex like it, it, 
you know, it's not a movie. It doesn't have to be, you know, well-paced necessarily. If the players yeah. are enjoying themselves and it does happen to be dragging, then that's what they're gravitating towards. And in terms of, like, uh, <laughs> this is a stupid analogy, but I always think of, you know, the, the <laughs> student driver cars where you have the student driver in one seat and then the instructor has a little has a little brake on their yeah. side of the car? Yeah. That's how I like to think of, like, let the players drive and let them accelerate, but you've got the brake on your side of the car if you need mm-hmm. to use it, but use it sparingly, you know? Don't slam yeah. on that thing. Uh, if they're coming up on something too fast, just pump the brake a little bit you know it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay to 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 slow it down a little bit and control the pace but i i would say that yes the the players should be the the guys who are controlling that gas pedal for the most part yeah, yeah. I, agree. I i like that that analogy because you know the the assistant driver the driving instructor does not have a gas pedal yeah he just yeah. has the brake so he just has the brake mm-hmm. yeah exactly use that brake um yeah. Yeah, I think so. When it comes to pacing, I really enjoy pacing things like a TV show, mm-hmm. um, a TV show like Heroes or Lost or uh, Battlestar Galactica, where something will happen, something that I want to happen will happen, like in a game, almost mm-hmm. like it's kind of a a one shot in a series of one shots. Mm-hmm. Like um, I've run pure sandbox games before and I've enjoyed it, but usually that's kind of it. Like there's always one main event that happens and everything else that happens around it, that's sort of up to the players, you know? Hmm. Um, and oftentimes I don't know what the event is until the players decide, okay, we're going to go to this place and I have to think it up. But what I mean is dragging to me means, okay, people aren't playing. They're talking about what chips they're eating. They're, talk they're texting (laughs) maybe they're you know doing stuff that's out of the game and to me that's not necessarily dragging that's just hanging out yeah and a lot a lot of times maybe that's just what you need to do if if people are dragging they don't want to move forward just you know turn on the xbox Mm -hmm. or you know play (laughs) cards against humanity or something like (laughs) right take a day off if you guys want to hang out then hang out but uh yeah ultimately just ultimately 20 sessions is great like yeah. if your players are playing twenty sessions, you're doing it right. Well, yeah. Another thing that can happen too is, uh, so, uh, especially if it's a mystery, then then the then the players can get stuck, and that can drag it too. Like yeah. if if maybe you've made it if as a GM you've made it too complicated and clever, and and they're yeah. just and they're just stuck, <laughs> or, or or it's just you know they miss something or whatever it happens to be. If it's if it's a situation like that, then the GM can step in and 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 be, and begin to offer things to them. You know, uh, you know, uh, a guy runs up to him in a crowd with a dagger in his back, you know, and gives him a clue and drops dead or something, whatever it happens to be, you know, get, yeah, then you then you can give them gimmies at that point if they're really, really stuck. Um, right. Yeah. If that's dragon, then they're going to get frustrated and they're not going to have fun with it. Um, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, but that comes down to communication. You know, if. It, there's a big big difference between you think it's running slow versus they think it's running slow. Find yeah, a, you know, exactly. if you find out what they think, you know, if they're just having fun, it's like, no, no, it's not it's not dragging at all. We're having a blast. And then, then sit back and let them do it. Yeah. And I, I can say as a player, there is nothing, there's no worse feeling than having the GM rush you. Yeah. Like, if you're having a moment like where you're role playing and you're t- you're talking to another character or you're really you're really interacting with an NPC and the GM just kind of moves on to the next thing and it's like oh well okay I guess we're I guess we're rushing past that you know that kind of cool moment there and that's just that's one of the worst things that can happen as a player. Yep. Oh man, I, I had that in, a, in an online game. I uh, 
Um, I had the opportunity to play with some people that I thought would be interesting. It was Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. And I guess the gym was new or something like that, because at one point we all decided we were going to go talk to someone to get information. Right. So um, I, I, I was I was playing a, a Russian cab driver. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go out. And he says, uh, OK, so you drive, you drive over there, you go up to her hotel room. Uh, she's there and, and lets you in, and she tells you this. Like, whoa, wait, what, huh? <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like we jumped from we're going to go talk to her to here's the information she gives you. It's, it's right. almost like you uh, role-played the loading screen yeah. as you enter the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> the text appears on the screen and says, hello, welcome, come on into my hotel room. <laughs> yeah, no, it was just, but it was just a you know, blur from this, you know, this to this. It was like, uh. you know, we missed all the fun parts in between. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, yeah. And, and I th- a lot of people like are, I, I kind of empathize, sympathize with people who do that for their first couple games. Because hmm. it's not easy to jump from, you know, if you've been playing video games for your entire life and you jump into a role playing game, hmm. it's hard to reopen the mind yeah. like and realize that, you know, anything is possible. So I, I totally, I sympathize with that quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. So, our next question is from Bradlin W. She asks, woo, well, she says, woo, big Q&A episode, exclamation point. But she asks, for each of you, which do you prefer more often, using grids or theater of the mind? What are your personal pros and cons? So, um, I'll kick this one off first, and it's pretty obvious. I I really like theater of the mind. I've used both. Um, I just prefer theater of the mind. It just it's it's how my brain works. Um, But one of the big flaws in my own mind is that I have difficulty closing my eyes and imagining spatial distance. Mm. I I cannot tell you how like I cannot look outside at the horizon. We just have an endless horizon and tell you at which point a mile has gone by. Like I can't I just Mm. my brain can't do it. It's, you know, I, I can do time. I can say, you know, one day's walk to the east. I know how far I would get, but I don't know how many miles that is. And so when I close my eyes, when I'm doing this, this whole, when I'm building this room or this cave or uh, this castle or throne room or whatever I'm building inside of my head and I'm trying to describe it to the players, I have a lot of difficulty uh, doing that accurately, keeping mm. it interesting, yeah. making it so distance makes uh, a difference so that not everything is 30 feet away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is where a grid, maybe not even putting miniatures on the grid, but drawing it out for the players to see yeah. j- just helps me out. Cause then we can kind of point to the map that I've drawn or maybe put miniatures on it, but don't count the grid space. Yeah. That's the benefit for me of a grid is that it helps my spatial uh, imagination. Yeah, yeah, I I have used everything from, you know, a, a grid <laughs> with miniatures and terrain to absolutely nothing. A life-sized you know. grid where we yeah. are the characters. <laughs> I've gone from the holodeck to absolutely nothing at all. Um, and I find that uh, my sweet spot is in the middle, 
a little bit leaning more towards theater of the mind where mm-hmm. when I run a home game nowadays, I'll usually have uh, a whiteboard or something out on the middle of the table just so I can draw a little map if I need to. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, we'll, I have a lot of plastic and cardboard <clears throat> miniatures and we'll we'll throw them out on the table and we won't measure distances or whatever, but we'll just use them to say, okay, I'm over by this thing and I'm over by this guy and, you know, or whatever for combats. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a, a campaign on my uh, on my YouTube channel, uh, The Iron Lords of Zakesh, where I use a whiteboard for combat encounters and it's, you know, it's very nice. But for online games, it's theater of the mind, and I will often draw a map on this little, uh, it's an eight, eight and a half by 11 whiteboard that I have, just so mm-hmm. I can keep it all straight in my head. Yeah. Doing it online is tough because, you know, you can't really set up miniatures or anything like that. So um, what I did in, uh, especially in places that have complex maps, is... Um, you know, I'll put up I'll put up an image in say Photoshop that, that I can share the screen of, and then I can just sort of darken out areas that they haven't seen yet, and then go in and erase right. them as 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 they go. Um, and again, you know, Tomb of Horrors is a good example of that, where it's just all twisting, turning corridors, and and uh, you know, it can get it can get confusing. Now it's kind of supposed to get confusing a little bit, but at the same time, you know, it it gets kind of it can be kind of tedious, and you know. Immersion breaking if you have to keep trying to, you know, place them in the space and, fi- yeah. and describe to them where they are. So, yeah, it's finding the balance point between theater of the mind, uh, which obviously I'm a fan of, and uh, <laughs> and getting that, you know, uh, once you reach the point where they're just being drawn out of it because they can't visualize it and then they're getting frustrated, you right. know, just show them the map. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that, um, you know, utilizing landmarks uh, in your descriptions of things, putting two mm, or three yeah. things that the, uh, that the that the player characters can, can use to reference where they are, like, you know, there's a broken window, there's a table in the middle of the room, and there's a toppled over bookcase. And it's like, okay, I'm get you know, where is this guy? He's right next to the toppled over bookcase. Okay, I'm going to move to him and hit him with my yeah. sword, you know? So it's like, you know, you give them a little bit of a... a the little landmarks that they can use and then let their imagination sort of fill in the gaps as to the rest of mm-hmm. it. Yep. And I'm not a really big fan of the really strict grids that a lot of people no. uh, use. And uh, so, I mean, I, a lot of my maps won't even have a grid. It'll just have, you know, the basic look. I might right. have a little scale at the bottom. And, you know, uh, a player might say, all right, you know, am I close enough to run and jump on this guy? And, you know, their movement's 30, it's 32 feet. You can do it. You know, it's not, I'm not right. going to say, ah, sorry, you're 30, you're about four inches short of that. You're just not going to make it, <laughs> you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, the, the, at that point, the 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 uh, the cinematics of it are more important than, you know, measuring down to, you know, precise movement and so forth. I mean, yeah. I, you know, nothing against people who enjoy that sort of thing. That's a different, that's a different style, but it's just not my style. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm a big fan of the whole uh, you can you can get there in two turns or one if you dash you know you, utilizing yeah. the the turn you know you, you can easily move there within your turn or you know it, it'll take you a couple turns to get there but you can get there you know that sort of thing and instead of saying ah it's uh, you know 60 70 feet just tell them you can get there or no you can't quite yeah that's or that's if they, or if they make a case that. for it you know yeah exactly yeah. it's like oh what if I uh, you know, propel myself with an explosion behind me. I'm like, okay, you, you can make it. 
<laughs> it's gonna give, hurt. Give, give Take some fire damage, but there. you make it. Give yeah, me an acrobatics roll. Yeah, whatever it is. You know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, sometimes I wish that we had like someone who was totally uh, theater of the grid uh, on on the podcast, just for just to be contrarian. But I feel like yeah. we'd spend the entire time fighting. Right. Well, <laughs> I, and I, I come from a, a background of grid, grid all the time. So, yeah, me I mean, oh, me you know, I, I, you know, I played Pathfinder where, you know, you can't, you can't do two adjacent squares in a row. If you do that, it counts as two. It counts as 10 feet, mm. not five, you know, that sort right. of thing where it's, yep. and, uh, you know, I, I come from that background and, you know, there is something, like you said, Alex, you know, there's a lot of people that enjoy that. And there is something to be said of, you know, being very strategic and, and having mm-hmm. to think about that sort of thing, but it's just it's not my style anymore, and hasn't been for a while. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So uh, next up, Matt, this is going to be your question, no matter what it is. Okay. <laughs> uh, how do you involve your? This is from uh, Baptiste B. How do you involve your player in a different culture, uh, like a human with completely different language and customs? Hmm. So is he asking? How I think I'm not, I'm not swap quite sure what he's player with character, like okay. how do you? I think immerse your character yeah. in a different culture. I was gonna say game. make it feel like a different culture. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, I understand. Um, well, usually, I mean, my my thing is always make it familiar and make it new at the same time. So you know, take uh, take something uh, that is normal in our culture and just turn it on its head a little bit. Um, like uh, mm-hmm. if make cannibalism a thing that is not thought of as weird but Mm. also don't make it an evil thing make it like a necessity type thing where you know maybe resources are scarce and so you know it's it's thought of as um as an honor to be consumed Mm -hmm. by your loved ones after you die you know you're able to give them food and water and things like that um and I'm not making a case for cannibalism here. I'm more more uh, <laughs> making a case for taking something that is normally thought of as oh weird or taboo. <laughs> this and is the new year, so Matt started yeah, his exactly. diet today. I'm, I'm so just, yeah, exactly. I'm, uh, I had, uh, Matt's really feeling it. <laughs> God, I'm just so hungry. I met with a coworker for lunch today. Only one of us came back. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, just take something take something that uh, you know is well established in mm. our culture and just twist it a little bit. Make it make it evident that. Uh, that it's something different, but it's also something that mm-hmm. is familiar enough where they can go, oh, okay, yeah, I know that that's weird, and I know why, and all of that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, also, try um, having an NPC sp- speak to them, but they speak a different language, mm-hmm. and so just start maybe, you know, speaking like, Oshtikana and it's like, wait, what? That's, yeah. that's all you hear. You don't know what it means. Like, and, and really, what I like to do is remove common as a language. Yeah. Which I don't, I haven't, I don't think I've done that in, in a long time. But that makes everything different. It just changes mm-hmm. the feel of the entire setting when yeah. there's no common language. Right. I wish I had the link for it. There's a website I found that they they have a whole bunch of random generators. But one of the things on it is it's a random language generator. So you you basically pick if you want it to be a harsh language, a melodic language. You know, the basically the kind of style of it, and then you can just type in something, and it will you know it, it'll 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 give give you a little thing that you can just read 
you know, uh, oh, uh, cool. phonically. And, and, and it's, but it sounds like a real language. So you don't have to do the whole like, blah, 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 you know, you know, just mm-hmm. babbling. You can, you can actually read something that sounds like a real language. I, I love that site. I use, that's I use it for my orcs all the time. Is it Don John? Oh, that's awesome. No, it's not Don John. Um, I think Shit. I know the site you're thinking of, Alex. Um, we'll, we'll maybe we'll add a link to the. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it was. It's really cool, though. I, 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 that's one of the the windows I have up all the time during my game. Uh, yeah. Just, just to have available. I could see myself printing off like 20 words for each different type of language, yeah. and just having that sheet with me during a game, and just like, oh, uh, you know, you're talking to elves, and I like find like the flowy language and read a few words off from it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, it always sounds it always sounds better and feels more immersive when it, it, when you can either read something like that or if it you know or off your screen, it just it just yeah. feels more like a real language than absolutely just, you know yeah. trying to come up with sounds. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, so Alex will mm-hmm. kick this next one off. Yes. Uh, do you guys have any tips to help players and GMs add more description to their encounters, actions, skill checks, attacks, and so on to make them feel more cinematic and alive and less like everyone just rolling dice and doing math? Well, see, we have a podcast that we do called Roll Up and Die. And if you go check that out, uh, we have a, we an things. episode on encounters. We say things like that. We say things like that. But what would you do, Alex? Uh, I actually missed part of that. The uh, the sound dropped off there for a second. Um, oh, okay. Uh, just to make them feel, make encounters, actions, skill checks, attacks, etc., uh, more cinematic and alive, and less like everyone is just rolling dice and doing math. Oh. Uh, one thing I like to do is is, uh, well, let's say with combat, is don't 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 tell me what you are doing mechanically in the game. Describe what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And make it exciting. Make it make it cinematic. You know, make it you know, I, I, I leap off this chair and come down with my battle axe or whatever, you know. And then and then I'll just tell you what dice to roll. Don't worry about that part. Just tell me you know, describe it first. Mm-hmm. Um as far as other skill checks go, um some of those can be tricky, um, but you always try to describe it in a way that um even if they fail, they get something out of it. You know. Right. Whether yeah. it's um, you learn something about the lock you were trying to pick, or um, you get uh, maybe you miss your perception, you know, roll, but you get you get a bad feeling about something, or whatever it happens to be, you know, give them give them something, you know, when when they uh, even even on even on a failed roll, um, yeah. if it's really bad, then give them false information, perhaps, you know, make it make it something, you know, interesting that. They just, you know, missed altogether. Right. So, uh, like in a perception situation, they say, you know, they make a perception roll, flub it really badly, and you say, well, you're pretty sure there's a noise behind that tree when it's actually something, like, right behind them, that sort of thing. Right. So, um, yeah, and and really, it's all in the descriptions, you know, yeah. giving them the feel of what they're trying to do either beforehand in you know the build up to it or afterwards describing the results yeah i like i like that advice of you know just tell me what you want to do i'll tell you what to roll like that's that's my job as the gm you just role right. play you have fun you get immersed because uh, a lot of you know a lot of people are like how do i create more immersion for my players well you know you kind of need a little help from your players to do that <laughs> your players really need to try to you know I almost said like close their eyes and think of where they are, but but actually not necessarily close their eyes, but mm-hmm. they kind of need to imagine it for themselves. Yeah. Um, 
and, and really help that that'll help with the immersion process so yeah and i think it after that's taken place then you'll have more everything you want more cinematic and lively everything in your game yeah, yeah. well and for and for me as a player like you know doing a skill check or something like that is that's an opportunity for me to show my character's character it's a it's a chance for Mm -hmm. me to be cool and and be heroic you know and so instead of saying uh well i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and pick the lock i say you know uh well i I pull a a bobby pin out of my hair and (laughs) grab one of the small daggers that's tucked into my boot and kneel down and get to work on the lock while the rest of you are talking you know or something like that it's just as cool you don't have to go on and on and have a big thing about how you know the dagger shines in the moonlight as i pull it out of my dagger you know it's like just add a little bit of character a little bit of flavor to to those sort of more you know quote-unquote mundane actions and it'll uh you know go a long way in characterizing your character yeah yep and you can start off by showing the players first you know but if if that's what you're doing with the npcs yeah they'll kind of get the idea of how cool that sounds and try and try to do it themselves and And follow suit exactly and encourage that and and uh if you can get them to uh, and you can you can reward them too for stuff like that, if they come up with something clever they do um, for that action. Like again, let's look at a combat action. Say just just for pure cinematic reasons, they wanted to, you know, like step on a chair and leap toward their opponent. You know, give them an advantage on something. You know, right. uh, make give them an acrobatic roll. If they get it, they get an advantage on their attack. Whatever. You know, give the reward them for this the, these cool cinematic things. Uh, whether it's a picking lock, whether it's combat, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the knowledge-based stuff is a little trickier, but mm-hmm. you can um, you can feed them information, and, and, that, and that's where maybe giving them a little bit of information can help. You know, you can say this, uh, uh, as, as you read the name on the wall, something tickles in the back of your mind and, and, you, and, you, th- and you, you, th- you think of the ocean. You know, right. And, and so they 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 get a little something, even if they failed. You know, mm-hmm. the, it, always give them something. Right. Do yeah, you know Devay? And I think yeah. he has a Facebook channel. Yeah, What's his DBJ? Fa- yes, D- yeah. Okay, yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and I think that's is that what his uh, YouTube channel is called? Also. Uh, yeah, I think it's Devay Brian Jackson. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, just the other day we were talking about you know this exact subject, and one of the things he said was reward your players with positive reinforcement whenever they do something you want them to do. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if a player, and this is the example he used, which is genius, if a player kneels down to pray, you know, to their deity, don't punish them by uh, making them, giving them disadvantage because they're kneeling when they're attacked mm-hmm. or yeah. or right. having their weapon <clears throat> not be you know, on their person because it's sheathed because they're doing you a favor as a GM by participating in the experience. Mm-hmm. So g- give them advantage, maybe like, yeah. or, or, you know, at the very least, just, um, you know, p- praise that in an in-game way because that will mm-hmm. encourage that sort of play mm-hmm. type in the future. And it's just going to be fun for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And check DBJ out on YouTube. Yeah, his stuff, oh, is, his stuff is awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Um, okay, next question. Uh, I'll kick this one off. How do you guys go about creating a custom campaign in a pre-existing setting? For example, running a Middle Earth themed or Star Wars game. 
Of course, there's so much lore and many pre-existing characters and stories in those worlds, mm-hmm. and I don't have the time to research it 100%. How would you tackle it? Uh, so, okay, um, okay, so I've had trouble in the past with Middle-earth. And the and I love Middle Earth. That is just such a cool place. Like it's easily one of my favorite <clears throat> settings. Period. Um, but I always find that there are two types of Lord of the Rings games. And actually, the same thing can be said about Star Wars. So we'll couple this. Mm. There are two types of games in in uh, the the worlds of Middle Earth or the galaxy <clears throat> of Star Wars. And they're either a I want to meet Han Solo. I want him to be piloting the Millennium Falcon while I'm on board. I want to hear him say, punch it, Chewie. Like, I want to meet Luke. I want to be in the Emperor's throne room when when Luke chops Vader's hand off. You know, like, I want, I want that. And uh, there are players like that. And in my experience, that usually ends a lot worse than you think it will. Yeah. Like, it usually just gets a little boring, a little ham-fisted, a little just not very fun. Or B, there's just removal of that story, of the stories that have already been told in those places completely. And then, especially in Middle Earth, it doesn't feel like Middle Earth anymore. Yeah. It feels like you're playing D&D in Middle Earth and for some reason, it's like that lessens the epic nature of Middle Earth just a little bit. So it's it's striking a balance between the two. So to actually answer your question, what I would do is I would choose a few things from the setting yeah. and take that and just emphasize that. So Star Wars, when I think Star Wars, I think uh, light speed needs to be there. I think there, you know, I don't know how you'd apply this to a role-playing game i know how i would but you there'd be sound in space uh ships would explode when you shoot them (laughs) and uh planets are all single biomed like yeah Mm -hmm. so the forest planet desert planet things like that and take those and showcase the hell out of those four things to the players during your game and Mm. it will feel like star wars no matter what characters are participating yeah, and I think, you know, that is great advice, Barker. And I think that if you if you think about the entirety of those worlds and try to think about how am I going to run a game here, it's overwhelming. And so really hone in on the stuff that inspires you about that setting. Like, if I was going to run a game in Middle Earth, the players would start in Rohan. And, like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's possible that, you know, maybe they leave Rohan, but the game <laughs> is going to start in Rohan, and they're going to deal with, you know, orcs invading the, you know the the plains of Rohan and they have to mm-hmm. you know hook up with the Rohirrim and try and drive them out or something like that and I think that that's why I really enjoy the uh, Fantasy Flight Star Wars games is because they have three different games to focus on different aspects of the Star Wars universe you know you have your Edge of the Empire which is all about smugglers and you know the scum and villainy of the of the universe and you have your Age of Rebellion which is all about the war and political intrigue and then you have Force and Destiny which is all about you know, Jedi and Force users, yeah. and you can put them together and mix and match, but I feel like each of them focuses on a different aspect very <clears> intentionally, <throat> and, and, and it works very well. And so when you are running something in an established setting, don't think of the setting in its, in its entirety. Hone in on the aspects and the things that you really enjoy, and like Super Parker good. said, yeah. present yeah. those to the players. I think, uh, for me, I also like to detach myself from historical events in that world. Like, um, and and I always prefer for things to happen after historical events that are established. In the case, like say I was running something in Middle Earth, 
it would have to take place after the War of the Ring for me because, right, you know, if it takes place way before it, you know, you know that no matter what happens, the War of the Ring is going to happen, and you know, yes. you're not going to have a great impact on the world. If, you, right. if it's during the War of the Ring, then pretty much you're stuck railroading your your players no matter what. And, and there's no way your players <laughs> you know? will ever be as heroic and epic as the people from the Lord right, of the yeah. Rings. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, so, so it always has to be in the Fourth Age or beyond, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, same thing with Star Wars. You know, you're not going to, you know, it, it has to be after, well, now in this case, you know, <laughs> the, the, the new Star Wars. So, it ha- it has mm-hmm. to be after that for me to, to really enjoy it. But at least in Star Wars, you're, um, you, ha- you have a, a, a huge, huge galaxy to work with. Yeah. You know, yep. so, and and... Even, you know, if, if you want to be really creative, go even beyond that. But, you know, so you have a huge galaxy to work with. So you can be playing an entire campaign somewhere a long way from the Empire, you know. So you could still have, you know, wandering Jedi. You could still have blasters. You can still have all that stuff. But it doesn't have to be involved. Maybe, maybe, maybe you know, if you want to give the, the players something fun to, to hear, maybe they... uh you know, you, they hear a couple guys in a cantina talking about how the Death Star blew up or something, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, exactly. you know, they, they hear they hear news from it, but it's but it's so far away it doesn't really affect them. But they get to hear about it, which is cool. You know, yeah, yeah. that 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 sort of flavorful <clears throat> thing is is perfect. And I have on my shelf, I have the One Ring, mm-hmm. uh, which I haven't played. Um, but there's a part in it where I feel like, and there's a section in the book where the the group is getting a quest. And they hear the descriptors. They hear someone playing a song about a halfling rogue that achieved great things, mm-hmm. and that's that's the flavor that they get for uh, for you know the 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 setting of Middle Earth. Right. And to me, that's enough. That's like, yeah, dude, we're in the same place as Bilbo. That's dope. <laughs> but but then here, here's where Middle Earth games usually lose me. Is then some person gives you a quest to go you know, slay a couple wolves and bring their hides back. And it's like, wait, where are we? <laughs> this is Middle Earth, man. Come on. <laughs> ain't be slaying wolves. <laughs> anyway. Uh, make, it but a war, I, make it a warg at least, you know. Yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, uh, like you said, Alex, I think Star Wars is easier, obviously just because of size and scope and the fact yeah. that there's not hundreds of things that you need to research anymore. There's just a few books now, and uh, <laughs> I'm one of the I'm one of the few people who's like, yes, thank you for getting rid of that. Sorry, all right, don't hate us. I'm sure people disagree with me. Um, all right, Matt or uh, Alex, okay. I lost track. I think it's uh, Alex. It doesn't matter. We'll, we'll get it. Well, what do you think of running Dungeon World style combat in D and D? For example. When you miss your opponent, when you miss, your opponent gets an attack, regardless mm-hmm. of initiative. When they miss their attack, you get a counterattack. Will this make it more cinematic and realistic, or slow things down? Um. Well, I mean, it, you'd be house ruling it. I'm not familiar with with Dungeon World combat system, but I mean, it sounds it sounds like you're basically talking about adding an attack of opportunity on a missed uh, attack or something like that. Yeah, I, it could certainly speed things up. Um, yeah. But I I've just never played Dungeon World either, and that actually yeah. sounds kind of cool. I just don't know how compatible it is because I mean, a D and D round is six seconds. Yeah, you know, so everything happens within that six seconds, which isn't a long period of time. So to me, you know, that that six seconds in D and D 
involves all kinds of like blocking, parrying, twisting, you know, striking. Yeah. You know? So it's not just like one hit, like I swing, ching, and then it pauses for like three seconds till the next round, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's, exactly. There's stuff going yeah. on. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, when you make when you make your attack roll, it, it presumes that you've, you know, block, parry, duck, you know, and then you then, then you find an opening and come in with the dagger and you hit, you know, yeah. or whatever. You know, so it, it's I don't know how compatible the systems are. Um, I think there are ways to make things a little more dynamic in D&D. One of the uh, variant rules I saw a long time ago was um, it suggested that the 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 base armor class of 10 uh was like taking 10 for a skill so what what mm-hmm. it suggested is rather than using that base 10 roll a d20 just like yeah. you would on an attack so you get a, 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 a an active defense basically so mm. you would roll d20 and then add your you know all your armor bonus armor and dexterity bonuses that sort of thing yeah i do that so, in my home games <clears throat> oh do you okay cool yep it's yeah fun. so yeah, it, it, it adds it adds a little bit of uh, of dynamic energy to it, and it and it means that even when it's not your turn, you still got something to do. So it's it can make it can really kind of make make things exciting. So th- there are ways to yeah. make it exciting and uh, and more active, and you know, but I, I I'm not familiar enough with Dungeon World to know if how compatible that would be. You have yeah. to, yeah, I guess you'd have to test it, see if it works. Yeah, I'm not I'm not super familiar with Dungeon World either. Actually, I own the PDF and I've read through it, but it was a year or two ago. Um, I I don't know if that would work with D and D because, like you're saying, Alex, you know that that single roll that you do for your attack that represents the entirety of the six seconds. That represents yeah. all the parries and all the all the jabs and feints and stuff that you've been doing that turn. And so adding in those extra rolls would just kind of I don't know make things a little bit too finicky and fiddly for me. And I think that, you know, any t- time that you replace uh, a static number like AC with a roll, I don't know. I feel like mm. it slows things down too much for me. I'm not a fan of that. But I think that if you're looking for doing more rolling and, and having, you know, uh, more attacks and stuff going on and having combat certainly end faster because people are going to get hit more and lose more mm. hit points, then that's mm-hmm. something that you could, you know, certainly try. I would I would test it out before you implement it yeah. into all of your games <laughs> yeah do a few test combats or something trying it out see how you like it now in defense of the rolling for defense um i actually think it it actually made things it didn't really slow things down that much because we would have roll offs so you have the attacker and defender rolling off at the same time oh, whether okay. that's mm-hmm. me as a gm or, yeah and it Okay, so I just got tired of having that conversation with someone of, oh, what's your what's your AC? Oh, it's it's thirteen. Okay, um, okay, the goblin hits you with the sword, and obviously I'm paraphrasing the situation, but I, I always got tired of the person saying, well, don't I get a chance to dodge? And then I have to explain as I'm teaching this new player that armor class is actually your ability to dodge, your ability to block the armor that you're wearing, all wrapped into one convenient number, but it's stupid. It's stupid. I hate it. But uh, it, yeah, it's it's not terrible. But that roll off, at the very least, it gave uh, control to yeah. the player, at least a feel of control, mm-hmm. um, which actually added quite a bit of neat things to the game. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, all it, I get. It could certainly yeah. make it. it, it <laughs> yeah, no, no. I actually, I, I like I like the concept of it. I haven't used it in any of my games, but I I think that. Um, it can add a level of excitement to it and, and certainly more variety yeah. because if you've got a static, you know, 
armor class and you're fighting this 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 creature that just seems to keep hitting you and hitting you and hitting you it yep. can get that can get a little frustrating too whereas you know uh if uh, especially in a, in a home game if, if if you make that if you both making that roll and the defender rolls a natural 20 and the other, the other guy rolls like a, a five or something like that that's awesome that's like one of those you know they the you you were sure that this guy was going to cleave him in half with this axe and and he just happened to grab like a branch from the ground and block it with it you know just to yep you know save his own life at the last minute and that kind of thing and and that that kind of stuff can be cinematic if uh especially if it's described with uh, uh with enough texture yeah for sure I, I, ultimately what matt said try it out like yeah because yep. when yeah. i read sam's comment that was sam d by the way who asked that I, when i read his comment i was like i want to try that mm-hmm. if it will it work i don't know if it doesn't work i'm not going to use it anymore <clears> but yeah try it out right um, yeah uh, okay, so the next question is from Paige S. And Paige asks, if the only systems you have ever played are 2nd Edition D&D, 3rd Edition, 3.5, Pathfinder, and a little bit of 5th Edition, what is a good <laughs> way to wrap your head around something like Fate or mm. Fate-like games like the Dresden Files? Yeah. Matt, hmm. if you're jumping into a new system? Yeah, so, I mean, this is something that I've recently done. Is I, You know, I, mm. I, I came from a background of... Uh, you know, pretty pretty much the same basic mechanic, which is, you know, you roll trying to hit a certain number to do certain things, and the mechanics and the story, or the roleplay, rather, are kind of separate things that work in tandem, whereas mm-hmm. in a game like Fate, they're one and the same. The roleplay and the yeah. rules are the same thing, where it's like, uh, you don't say, I want to take cover, you you try to create an element in the story that allows you to take cover. Like I yeah. would like to try and create this aspect, and for me, that has been really tough. Like it is so hard for me to say, mm. you know, not go. Well, can I take cover? It's like, <laughs> oh no, can I can I create an advantage? I want to do that. <clears throat> you know, like you have to actually look at the rules and say, okay, the rules are a storytelling tool. They are actually yeah. there to create elements of the story and uh like fate is 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 a lot like that um edge of the empire is a lot Mm -hmm. like that where you you have a little bit of agency into narrating what happens and how things happen like oh i got a ton of advantage can i say that there's an alleyway that i duck into or something like that you know things like that and i think that there's a lot of enjoyment with that and i think that um just playing with 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 Mm -hmm. people who know the system and being open about the fact that i want to learn i want to be good at this and trying things out. Don't be afraid to say, can I try to do this? Can I try yeah. to do this? Is this how this works? So just ask lots of questions and uh, yeah. just try to enjoy it. It's definitely a more proactive game for players. Yeah. You know, it, it, yep. it, it doesn't work with passive or, you know, uh, less involved players. Exactly. And <clears throat> so what, the, thing I, the thing I found with Fate is um, it works better if you don't ask. You just say what you're doing. Right. And... Uh, and and the cool thing about aspects to me is the way they're the way they're they're worded, you can build them into what you're saying, so that you don't even have to mention the mechanics, right. and that's one of the kind of cool things I liked about it. So you could just like say you had an aspect that said, uh, um, uh, always in the right place at the wrong time or something like that. So you you could you could say, um, well. <clears throat> Because I'm in the right, because I'm always in the right place at the wrong time, um, the uh, the blaster shot, you know, it, it 
that was going to hit my head deflects off of the the control panel, but I get showered in sparks or something like that. You know, whatever right. it happens to be. Yeah. So you, by working your your aspect into your description, essentially what you're doing is you're telling the the GM, you know, uh, I'm 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 invoking this uh, uh, this aspect. So, you know. Uh, it, you don't have to mention. Uh, okay, so I get a plus two for this, and you know whatever it happens to be. You just you're you're saying it in your description, and and I, I like I like the the elegance of that. Right. Um, but the, the, I think the important thing to realize is that fate is awesome for certain styles of 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 uh, of game. Yeah. You know, it's it's great for. Um, What's what I'm looking for? Uh, I think Super is pretty good. Yeah, not uh, pulp. I guess it's it's mm-hmm. awesome for pulp games. You know, yeah. so if, yeah, if I you, think it, I think it's great for everything. I think you can really do anything with it. You can do a lot with it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but like like if you want to go, if you want to play John McClane, who throws uh, 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 you know uh, yeah throws a terrorist out of, out a window of uh, Nakatomi Tower, Fate is awesome. Yes, <laughs> you know absolutely. <laughs> That's the game you want for for that. Yeah. If you if you go see an, if you go see a Michael Bay film, and you want to come home that night and play in that world, you can just pick up the Fate book and you can play in that world that night yeah. right there. Yeah. That's right there. that's the beauty of Fate. I fell in love with Fate when the first time I read it. It was I, I love that that uh, flexibility of it, that ability yeah. to take a set, take take some take a, a work of fiction and and play in it in that moment. You could just yeah you know finish reading yep. a book and then play that game exactly <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, and but, I think, uh, you know, the, the you know, w- with the question of what's a good way to wrap your head around something mm-hmm. like that, what I would do is, and this is the same thing for any game, put the D20 away and, and realize that everything <clears throat> is different now and yeah. look at that fate book like it's the first role playing game you've ever looked at and start from scratch, you yeah. know, front yep. to back, really, because it is completely it's it's a completely different mode of thinking. Of yeah, how to yeah. role play. It's not, you know, like Matt said, it's not, we're abandoning the whole, the, the previous world of, you know, pick an action and then roll to see if you succeed. Yeah. There's rolling and there is succeeding and there's failing, but it's the whole method of how it's done is, has changed. So do your best to forget everything you've already learned and sit down with a, with a fate book. And I highly recommend you do that. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Super good. And I think it's still free on uh, drive through RPG, so. There's yeah, no excuse not sure to. Yeah, fate accelerated for sure. Yeah, uh, I'll just say though, I really enjoy owning the books. The books are, yeah, really nice, and they're a little smaller. Yeah, but they I feel like my good. fate books, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Ben B asks, "How do you?" Ha- I'm just going to go down the list now. How do you handle the unfortunate circumstance of a player and or character leaving? Both the player who knows he has to bow out and has planned an exit uh, to the player leaving suddenly with minimal or no notice. Mm-hmm. You guys ever have had mm. that happen, Matt? Uh, yeah, recently. <laughs> uh, yeah, in our Provokers game, uh, Juice, oh, yeah. who plays Brasswick, uh, has had to sit out a few sessions. And he's coming back, but yeah. it was one of those things where... Uh, you know, I was talking to him and he was like, man, life is just crazy. And I don't know what my schedule is going to be like for the next couple months. He was moving. He was starting a new job. And I was like, you know, do you want to sit out a couple sessions? And he was like, 
that would actually be super awesome. Like I could tell that he was kind of like, I don't really want to ask for this because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bow out of this game. And, um, you know, you just kind of, you think about the character mm-hmm. and you just kind of make it work. It's one of those situations where yeah. it's going to happen to you at some point in your gaming career, probably multiple times. And it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's not a movie. You don't need to have like, a big explanation as to why the character isn't there. You know, you can just say, uh, you know, oh, and, you know, your companion here, you know, he he decides that he's going to stay behind in this town and help them rebuild from the orc raid. Mm. And you, might, you might see him again someday, you know, and yeah. if, if you have the opportunity, you can plan with the player a cool departure for their character, yeah. kind of a nice send-off. You know, I've done that. I had a couple players move away a few years ago, and I... I sort of worked with them on a cool encounter that they would, you know, go out uh, like badasses during, you know, and things like that. So, you know, always talk to the player, and, yeah. you know, and if you get in the situation where the player leaves very suddenly and you don't have an option to do that, you know, just think about the character and think about something that would make sense uh, for them not being with the party anymore. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously <laughs> the goal here is to have the player there for the last session. Right? Yeah. Uh, because that is just the best way to do it. But, uh, yeah. you know, obviously there are times where you can't do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's you can, you know, I've, I've role played characters for people who weren't there. So mm-hmm. that might be your only shot. And yeah. it's never going to be better than when that player was there. Uh, but, you know, it'll it'll continue the story. And then, you know, as soon as you're ready to do so, you can change the story and kind yeah. of move on in, in a direction without that character. Absolutely, yeah. I do like the idea of orchestrating a um, a good end for them, and yeah. whether it's yeah. whether you discuss it with them particular in detail or not, you know, if you know the character, you can you can usually sort of present to them in a way that they know that this is your chance to end it with a bang. You know, right? <laughs> you know, you're um, you can you can save you can save the world if if you're willing to sacrifice your life to do X you know yeah and so they they can do that. I think the uh, <clears throat> the best uh, send off I ever had for a character was uh, the party was in a uh, an extra planar city. It was kind of like sigil. It was kind of outside of the planes, and uh, one of the players was having to leave. He was going to go to graduate school in Colorado, and uh, I <clears throat> talked to him about how how he'd like to send him off and. <laughs> I had an assassin uh, with a with a planar grenade uh, throw it into the middle of the room, and it was basically this grenade that was going to explode and rip them all back to the material plane before they yeah. were done here in this city. And his, uh, we decided that his character was going to jump on it, like you know, basically just take it oh, for the rest nice. of the party, where he's yeah, still nice. alive, but he's gone and he can't get back to the city. And so it was one of those situations where I get, I let him describe him jumping on the grenade, and he. Right before it goes off, there's this moment of silence, and you know he does the earn this type thing, and then you know the grenade goes off, and he just disappears in a flash of light. And dude, that uh, is, we're no. people. Alex is laughing, and I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm crying over here, man. That's a awesome. tear jerking story. Damn, son. No, it was it was cool, and it was you know he was a long time player in the party, and we were all sad to see him go, and it was really cool yeah. to have him have a cool send off. So you know, just think about cool stuff like that. Get let like Alex yeah. is saying, you know, let them have that cool moment. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I had the sure. wonderful opportunity recently when I I, I, I finished up a ca- I was finishing up a campaign. It was the campaign I've been going on for two years, and uh, a couple of a, a couple of players had had to bow out due to personal you know 
work and stuff like that. So I had gotten new players in from another campaign, and 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 it had been going well. But there was going to be this big finale where the 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 city where all this had sort of taken place and was under siege, and I was do I, I was going to do one final you know uh, uh, one final game, and so I was able to you know talk to these these two former players and just you know to come back for this one game you know and so we were able to bring those characters back for this like, That's awesome. finale yeah it was it was fantastic i loved having them back it was it was great because you're able to tie up uh you know tie up loose ends and, and just have ends, that man that that, that that yeah finale so it had, it had a, an awesome kind of finale feel to it i was really excited about that right cool. like a party reunion yeah 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 it was, <laughs> That's it was, great. It was, it was perfect so Tom V asks or says, welcome back to the mic. Uh, thank you. Uh, my Who's question Mike? is. <laughs> huh. was Moment dumb. of silence for that, that joke. Was... <laughs> <laughs> I just saw a joke land and it didn't get up. <laughs> it said, earn this. And then <laughs> it was gone. Uh, no. Oh, man. Welcome back to the mic. My question is, how would you, and we kind of answered this already a little bit, how would you incorporate an existing non-setting world, like um, an anime or manga or comic, a movie, mm -hmm. TV, video game, into a tabletop context? I eagerly am waiting your collective feedback. <laughs> Thank you and have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you very much. You. I say as I adjust my half Windsor knot, yes. Um, so, uh, we kind of answered a lot of that with the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings stuff. If you're going to adapt something that you enjoy, like a TV show yeah. or a video game into a role-playing game, pick like, you know, three or four things that create the feel of that show or video game or whatever it is. And like, like Matt said, hone in on those things and just show them off the mm. whole game. Yeah. Well, I, guess I, I would that... say too, I'll go ahead, Alex. No, I was just going to say, I guess it depends on how much you want to involve it. Like, does it take place in the same world? Does it take place in the same... Uh, well, we don't, have, we don't have Tom V on this podcast, Alex. We don't, we don't know. Right, exactly. <laughs> Let's get him on here. That, Tom that, V, welcome to the get show. Him on. Hey, guys, how's it going? Let's <laughs> <laughs> go you sound, you sound a little like Elvis there. Yes. <laughs> hey, Elvis is here to talk about homebrewing a manga setting. It's going to be great. That's how Tom V sounds. Yeah. I don't know. Like, he, he said, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have a nice day. I have a nice day. I wish your answer. <laughs> well, what I mean by that is, is like, say, say, say you're a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And so you want to have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer campaign. And yep. uh, so, you, you know, rather than setting it in and around the places where you know, the stories have already taken place, you could pick, you know, um, someplace in Europe or on the East Coast or wherever. You could, you could set up a, a, a town or city where other bad things are happening and you have this group of people fighting evil, you know. And so you don't, it, it can be in the same sort of setting world with a lot of the same features, but not necessarily in the same setting specifically. So the, there, there are ways to bring in, a, you know, your your whether it's... Um, you know whether it's an anime or whatever you can you there are there are ways you can bring it in, and not necessarily have it, you know, conflict with any yeah. canon. I guess. Right. There's some well, people. I, in... Oh no, you go ahead, Matt. 
Oh, I was just going to say, if, if you're if you're looking at bringing in something that doesn't have a system of its own or something that you're you're wanting to just quickly, <clears throat> you know, throw together to run a one shot or something like that, like look at a system like Fate or Savage Worlds yeah. or, you know, Ubiquity or something like that. That's really just kind of pick up and play, um, you know, the whole making a whole homebrew set of classes and races to to oh. uh, to fit yeah. into a setting. I mean, that is that is a lot of work and. Most of the time, not worth it. So that, look that at a is, system that, that, that is, is that designed is nightmarish. for it. That is nightmarish. Oh, it I, is, absolutely. I, I, would, I would highly recommend Fate or or even better if you're going for, um, if, if, if you have a really complex setting, then there's a there's a, a, a game called Strands of Fate, which is kind of a, they took Fate and they, they, they amped it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so they added a whole lot of other stuff in it uh, for, for like superpowers for magic, for all kinds of stuff, and th- and they kind of pre-made some things that you can just plug into your game, and so you know if you want to play a supers game set, you know in the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the, you know the DC Universe or whatever, that you you can you can take this, uh, uh, you can take what they give you and pretty much run with it. So right. yeah, I, I mean str- I, I I love Fate, but I also uh, if you get a chance to pick up Strands of Fate. There's also one called Strands of Power, which is, that's where all the, uh, what else they have for like psionics and magic and Very superpowers cool. and things like that go. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I, I yep. A dig. Dig a dig. 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 Um, this next question I'm actually going to save for the end because it's a good question. Um, but I'll skip over that and <laughs> jump to Kyle G's. How do you guys build and keep track of your own home settings? Hmm. What information about your setting do you compile together, and how do you keep it all together? <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> I have trouble with this, and I, yeah. I feel like a lot of people do. It's difficult because like, part of me is like, I need organization. My ADHD brain just needs organization, <laughs> but I hate organization. So if everything's organized, I'm like, no, to hell with this. Burn it all to the ground. But so it's it's difficult to decide what goes in. And so what works well for me is running games inside out, starting in a small place where I know hmm. the only thing I know about this place is the village, you know, what's in this village, and then slowly grow the world or the campaign as the game moves on. And what I'll do is my campaign binder, all of them, are just all of my notes that I use in my games chronologically placed in the binder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if there's a monster stat block that happened in session one, it's going to be in near the beginning of the binder. Uh, if it happened in the middle of the game, I'll flip through it to the middle and see it there. Mm-hmm. And then when that campaign's over, just look through the stuff and decide what is it you want to keep, what is it you want to discard, and <clears throat> hyper-focus on those things. Mm-hmm. Um that's something that personally works for me. Yeah, hmm. for me, my the stuff is everywhere. Like some of it's written down, some of it's typed up, some of it's on my Google Drive. Uh, I have a I have a wiki for my homebrew setting of Aranoth that is like not up to date, but sort of up to date. <laughs> and occasionally I'll go on there and be like, oh, that's not true anymore, and you know change something or <laughs> look up river but, bears on the yeah. The <laughs> no, it's uh, it's Tal- Talmor is still up there. Oh, I haven't Talmor. I haven't changed it. Yeah, if you go yeah. if you go to the if you go to aeronaut.wikia.com and type in Talmor, you'll uh, yeah you'll find a that's, nice little wiki entry that Barker wrote for me. It's that's really T A L M O O R. Yeah, it's really nice. Really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's um, gorgeous. 
But yeah, like I wish, honestly, Barker, I wish I was as organized as you and had all my like session notes, like, uh, you know, like in a binder where I could look through it. But honestly, most of it is just, it's in my head for the most part, yeah. which is not a good place to store it. Dude, but, <laughs> but I'm mess, so envious that you can do that. There, man. I guarantee you that there are listeners like me who are envious that you can do that because... I mean, I can't really, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm envious that you think you can. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I, I can do a lot of that because I've been running the same... All my campaigns have pretty much been in, in my same world for... Uh, like 15 years or something like that. So uh, the world is, has, and and like you were saying, Barker, it, it grew from a single town. I mean, I, I created sort of an outline of my world. You know, I, I had, yeah. you know, continents and some basic geography, but I started with a single town and then worked out from there and it's been growing since. And so um, I, I've played in this world so much that you know, I, I just, I just kind of know it. If, if someone had a trivia game that was, that was, uh, that was, uh, 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 <laughs> that was based in my world, I would just, you know, I would ace it. But <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. Um, and it's not because I can memorize all this stuff. I'm terrible at memorization, but I just, I've played in it so much that it's just familiar to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. so if I, someone I, wants to go somewhere, I can, I can tell them about that place because I've yeah. been there before. That's a really great point, Alex, is uh, not worrying so much about the details and the minutia of your world, but more so knowing the feel and the tone of it and getting that right, you know, and, and, yep. and saying it doesn't matter that I don't know, you know, the name of that farmer in, you know, 50 sessions ago yeah. that the characters yeah. talked to. It's important <clears throat> that I know what that village is like yep. and what the what the world feels like and mm-hmm. all of that so i think you know big picture worrying more about the big picture is yeah, well, yeah i mean it'd be go. like if someone if someone asked you to set a scene for for some players in the moss Eisley cantina you would have no problem doing that even though you know you don't need a ma- exactly you don't need you don't need a map of the cantina sitting in front of you you don't need a list of npcs you don't need you don't need um a description of of everything in it you could just describe it you know you could you could live in it and and uh uh you know once once you've once you have a campaign established and you've been playing it long enough and i highly recommend doing that to people you know always if you can play in the same world you know even if you finish up a campaign start your next campaign in the same world because it's it every campaign group just adds so much richness to the world you know yeah. they're going to find things that um that previous adventuring parties have left maybe they maybe their previous characters have left a mark on you know they they'll pass by this this broken um uh this broken column in a in a, in a town and they know hey <laughs> our other characters did that <laughs> you know the, right. it'll, just, it'll still be there and yeah. so it, it just adds a richness and depth to your world that you just you, you can't it, or i shouldn't say you can't but it, it's it's it would be hard to write from scratch absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely hmm. uh and <clears throat> something you know again like you said is just you know keep playing and keep running games in the mm-hmm. world and after a while it's going to be like alex said you're just going to know it because you've been yeah. there it's just so over time, but w- with regards to binders, um, I you know what whatever works for you, and I hate that answer, but <laughs> but that's the, yeah. the 
the hard part about that answer is no one can answer that question for you. You just got to try and fail, and then eventually you'll find something and be like, oh my gosh, this is my campaign yeah. binder. That's right. what happens. Yeah. So. yeah, some people prefer index cards, you know, binders. Um, oh I do a lot of my stuff on computer documents because most of my games are on, well, uh, all my games are online, <laughs> online right now. And mm-hmm. so it's easier for me to have it as a, as a document that I can look on the screen, you know, while I'm running a game. Yeah. So find that difficult to I do too uh, to well I'm I what I was saying is I find it difficult to believe that Alex you do that I've always been under the impression that you like chisel your campaign notes into like a wooden <laughs> section of a log no he, he writes roll it, it out. he writes it in the hide of an animal that he just killed with it <laughs> using its blood as ink with his bare hands with his bare hands yeah exactly I, I, I have people to do that for me yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I have the staff do that, he not he, me. He he he, he uh, met those people when he was working with the census. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, this is, wow, we, we've, we've been play, we've been doing this podcast long enough to have obscure references like that. We That's do. Cool. We, have, no. we have a ton of obscure we take we take a short references. break, come back, and we have inside jokes, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Everyone's got delusions of grandeur. Shut it. <laughs> I was going to do that line, but I didn't. I, but I'm glad you did. I was there. I was Good. There. You were there for the alley-oop. Um, but yeah, try different things. Try yeah. using computer documents. Try using paper and pencil, which is what I prefer. Try, you know, just anything and then, you know, see what sticks in your head yeah. best. Absolutely. Uh, so I think we have uh, Audacity's bump in an hour and a half, but I think we've only been doing this for like an hour and 20 minutes because of tech stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've got an hour and 20 and mine's probably the shortest one because I... Yeah. dumped out so okay cool. keep going yeah let's let's uh, uh well i guess the, i guess the question is are we going to be doing anything that they can steal or are we just going to keep just doing questions and finish on that okay let's you know let's do one more question and mm-hmm. then let's do an idea that they can steal and okay. i think you had a you had a question picked out for our last one there Barker. i did i had a, a question and i like it because i love questions like this and i I'm, i hope <laughs> i pronounce your name correctly i believe this is from a gert jan volp um that i think is a belgian name anyway i hope i'm not wrong because if i'm wrong he's like driving in his car (laughs) cursing at me um anyway he asks what is the one rpg thing you would tell your gamer self from five years ago and and i and i think we can change five years ago to however long ago it needs to be yeah (laughs) what would you guys say oh that's a hard one I would, I think, is this like a time travel situation where we get one sentence before we're ripped back to our present day? That's, I, I think that's actually what he was going for with that small one sentence comment. So yeah, yeah I'd do okay. it. All right. I would, I would tell myself to worry less. I would, I would try to tell myself that you don't need to agonize over all of these things. Like just have fun and tell a story with your friends and worry less about it because there was a time when... Uh, I just agonized over so many little details and spent so much time prepping things that were never going to see the light of day, and uh, I missed out on a lot of fun that could have been had. So, yeah, worry less. That's what don't, I would say. Don't worry. And then and then you would be like, who the fuck are you? And you'd yeah, be like, who are I'm you? you? <laughs> but I can't talk anymore. Bye. You're like, wait, you had the ability to come back to the past from the future and you told me something D&D related? <laughs> you you didn't have something more important to say? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, goodness. 
Alex, what about you? Oh, man. Yeah, I, I, it's pretty similar to that. I guess I'd say uh, don't worry so much about prepping too much because that, that, that was always a problem early on, which was I would put so much into prepping. I would have, you know, you know, pages and pages and pages. This was before computers. So, uh, but <laughs> pages and pages of stuff written up and maps detailed drawn and, and, and the plays would just miss them all. And then, and, <laughs> yeah. and I still have stacks of these papers around. So yeah, don't, don't prepare too far in advance and too much detail in advance because chances are they're not going to get, <laughs> get where you yeah. expect they're going to get. The yeah. players are going to go where they're going to go and, and very likely not where you expect them to be. Yeah. I don't know, man. I bet you see some of those papers and you're like, oh, that's cool. Oh, I still use them. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I access them now and, and say, hey, didn't they have that town I drew up a long time ago? And they never, <laughs> they just avoided Okay, Those yeah. jerks. Yeah. <laughs> this, um, was, this was a good town. <laughs> they should have played it. Yep. Yep. That's it. Uh, so <laughs> I would go back in time and I would... So I, I've always been a world builder at heart. Like, that's always what I've wanted to do is create, you know, locations and continents and stuff. And there was a period where I would get started and then realize that I, I, I just got overwhelmed real quick, especially with building a world because there's so much that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it starts easy with a map and then it's like, oh, my God, what about factions? What about NPCs? Oh, my God, what about factions at war with other factions? And, and then it becomes <laughs> just too much. And then I'd quit. Um, until I got inspired again. And then I would rinse and repeat and do the same thing over and over again. <laughs> so I'd constantly be reaching out for how to build a world guides or, mm. uh, you know, things that will teach me how to draw continents. And if what I would do is I would go back in time and I would sit in front of myself and say, just draw the map. Stop stopping. And just use that sheet of paper and tell yourself that you're going to draw the map on it. And just do it. No, don't worry about how much it sucks because it's gonna. Because <laughs> at the very least, it's better to have something that sucks in front of you than nothing at all in front of you. Yeah. So just <clears throat> do it, man. Nike. Get out there and just do it because uh, getting started is the best way to getting finished. Absolutely. Cool. As, an, gonna... as, as an alternate answer... I could just go back and you know to myself from from the uh, the early '80s, hand myself a copy of the fifth edition player's handbook, and say, "Here, publish this." Publish this. <laughs> it's the the RPG oh. equivalent of of Biff handing himself the almanac. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no uh. no stock codes. No you know no telling me to invest in AOL for a certain yeah. number of years and then it's get like, out of there. Like I mean, is that that's all you're going to give me is the player's handbook? Copyright yeah. this right away. There's there's an uh, alternate alternate uh, timeline where Alex is sitting on a throne in the Wizards of the Coast headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Bring me more mead. <laughs> the, Please. the CEO now. the CEO of Hasbro's kissing my ring. <laughs> it's like you may, you may go now. Why did fifth edition come out before third? I don't understand. <laughs> in, in 2012, Alex speaks up and says, I have a great idea for the next Star Wars name. The Force <laughs> Awakens. Yes. Mm. No, oh. he could stop the prequels from happening <laughs> if, if he came back to himself in the 80s. <laughs> Uh, just you know, go go meet the person who did the fan edits and give him a high five as he's a baby. Yeah, That's it. be like, thanks, man. Thanks, baby. Good job. Thanks, baby, man. 
You're gonna do. You're gonna do a bunch of nerds a great service someday. <laughs> One of these days, you're gonna make a fan edit that I'll be able to show my children. You, you are the chosen one. <laughs> you are my brother. Okay, all right, sorry. <laughs> um, so let's make an idea that people can steal. And I think what should be fun is no rules, none at all. Uh, whether it's an NPC plot device, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. Um, hey, Matt, do you have a die in front of you? I do. You want to roll that for us? And... Absolutely. I, have, I actually have one of my new double D6 uh, D12s, which uh, simulate oh. a single D6, but they're shaped like a D12. Mother of God. Oh, did you get the double six days? I did. I got some for Christmas oh, in my nice. stocking. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, so I got a one. Okay, so who is that? So who is that? Oh, uh, I don't know. You have to... Let's try. Let's try that again. One to you're two just, is me. You just told me to roll the die, Barker. You I just did me. what you said, Barker. I tried to make you proud, Papa Barker, but I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't do it. All right. Oh, so one Barker's to two is me. Impressed. Three to four is Barker. Five to six is Alex. Cool. Okay, that's a three. That's Barker. Okay, cool. So, um, uh, I want to make uh, an adventure hook. Mm-hmm. And uh, this adventure hook is going to take place in uh, a snowy region of the world. So it's um, just constant blizzards. And it's going to take place uh, inside of a city that is just completely snowed in. And I actually just remembered that we kind of did something similar to this a while ago. So I'm going div- to divert from it. And then all of a sudden, all of the snow melts uh, almost overnight, and it's gone. And it's this icy, just northern frozen wasteland is now a green, beautiful, just lush garden of a realm overnight. Mm. And so that's what happens. I like it. Okay, so I'm going to roll again to expand upon that hook. Is that what we're doing here? Yep. Okay. All right, so uh, one to three is... Uh, me, four to six is Alex. Okay. I, oh, me. wait. Can I add one more thing to mine? Oh, yes. I know. I know. I'm, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a modern setting. Oh, okay. All okay. Right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so I rolled a three, so that's me. Um, so modern setting, all the snow melts overnight. No one knows why. Um, I'll say that uh, <clears throat> in the last month, a new church has moved in. And they've attracted a lot of uh, new followers who attend this church. But a lot of people in the town are uneasy about their presence because they just they come on a little strong and they, they kind of have a little bit of a creepy demeanor. Um, but a lot of the people in this town who uh, suffer from uh, seasonal affective disorder have taken to the church as a uh, as a form of uh, support and so uh, as the snow melts it might be one of those things <laughs> where uh you know the church says oh well you know god did it and uh maybe the people some of the people in the town are a little bit suspicious about uh, uh about this church and their involvement in the snow melting so quickly just overnight nice all right i'm gonna roll again one to six is alex <laughs> okay that's a five alex you're up all right so never I'm tell gonna, me the odds <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm, I'm gonna say that um there has been um uh there's been some construction at the uh, uh at the outer at the, at the outer edge of town 
and uh, uh, no one really knows what's what's being either built or or done out there. But there's a, sort of a huge fence sort of surrounding it, and um, several people have gone missing trying to investigate it. Um, there is uh, there are rumors that there is a um, uh, a series of old mines from uh, you know several hundred years ago when prospectors originally found uh, uh, found silver, but uh, they've been abandoned for some time and and uh, um, but there's new construction going on there and but there's been many mysterious disappearances that have happened um, in the vicinity of that and recently a uh, a reporter who was uh, uh, who was uh, trying to find out more information about about what this was and where all the equipment was going and what they were doing. Oh, nice, awesome! That's and, a I, it's, it's a pretty <clears throat> rich adventure hook there. Lots of lots of little bits for the players to latch onto. Yeah, for sure. And make you know try making the the name of the church <clears throat> uh, that's moved in the the Church of the Garden of Eden, and all uh, of a sudden everything's green and lush. So that'll be a fun thing to play yeah, with. That's absolutely. a Cthulhu game waiting to happen, I think. It is. That's absolutely Definitely. a Cthulhu game waiting to happen, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you all uh, very much. But more importantly, thank you guys, Matt and Alex. Thanks for uh, the, the break that we took, and thanks for jumping back in. This is always a fun thing to do. Yeah, I missed um, this. I missed yeah. it too, yeah. Well, we're back and uh, until we take <laughs> another break at some point in some future, uh, which hopefully won't be till much later. Uh, but thank you all very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for your questions on facebook.com slash rollupanddie. And, yeah, thanks for listening. My name is Barker. And my name is Matt from A Fistful of Dice. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. Bye-bye. Anyone yeah. else want to jump in on this and oh. sing higher notes? Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.